our first word. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. There are many radical things one hears in a lifetime. These words are one of them. They may not seem like it, but they are. When you hear them in the context of what is going on, these words are radical. They're audacious. They're big and they're bold. They're jaw-dropping language that draws your attention in an unexpected moment. It'd be like me coming up here or on a Sunday morning and I begin to curse and swear at you. Can you imagine that? You'd be shocked. Your eyes would open wide. Your jaw would drop. Maybe a gasp would be let out. Maybe you'd walk out of this room. But I guarantee you this, you'd be shocked. And what I believe is those hearers that day, whether in that moment, whether a week later, they were shocked at what they heard. These words from Christ as he was being crucified, that he just said that? Many of us would think, what in the world is going on? Why would he say such a thing? My prayer and hope is that if you, as you hear these seven words from Christ, you'd be shocked. That you'd be asking the same question. Why would he say that? What is he doing? What in the world is going on? May you hear these words with fresh ears today. Like the first time. And may you be shocked because these are truly radical and life-changing words from Christ. And I wonder if we take them very lightly because we've heard them before. That we've celebrated many Easter's, we've celebrated many Good Fridays, we've heard these words before, and so maybe we become a little numb to them. Or maybe it's because at times we take our sin very lightly. We've heard and we know we are sinners. We've heard it a million times. And so these words just become very familiar. We pass them off. I love in Luke chapter 7, there's a, a story about Jesus. He's invited to a dinner party. And at this dinner party, it's hosted by the religious people of the days. He's sitting there. And all of a sudden, a woman walks in, falls to his feet, And she begins to wash his feet with her hair and her tears and pours perfume all over his feet. The the, the religious leaders were were frustrated by this. They were angered. They were saying, if you were a prophet, you know that this woman is a sinner. It's interesting to me how Jesus responds to the situation. He tells a parable. He goes on to say that there are two people with different debts. One owes 500, the other 50. And both of them were unable to pay this debt back. But the debt collector was kind enough to erase both their debts. And then he goes on to ask this question. Now which of them will love him more? Which of him will love him more? And obviously we know that the one with the bigger debt would love him more. 
the one who owed 500, which of them would love him more? See, this woman, she got it. She understood how big and how grand her debt was. The Pharisees, maybe not so much. Jesus goes on to say, whoever's been forgiven little loves little. And also whoever's been forgiven much loves much. So how do you view your sin? I remember in middle school, knowing a whole lot about God, but without any relationship with him. I remember having conversations with people, judging people, because I thought how good of a person I was. And I would say, I'm good because I don't do that, or I don't do this. I'm just a good person. Go to church, go to a Christian school. This is what I thought of myself. And then one day, God opened my eyes to the truth. Boy, my debt was big. And boy, was I a sinner. I was wrong. I was deceived. I was blinded to the truth of my debt. See, in the parable, you had two people, both with debts. But neither of them could repay. They were both in the same situation, in the same place. One just had a bigger debt. Both couldn't repay. But the woman at Jesus' feet, she got it. She understood. Her debt had been paid. See, we're all there. We're all in that same place. See, whether you've been going to church your whole life or this is your first time you've walked in the past 20 years, whether you've been living a life of adultery, greed, lust, or sexual immorality, we're all in that same place, owing a debt we cannot repay. We're all in that same place. We all owe a debt greater than we can repay. And what we find is at the cross, Jesus is pleading to the Father on our behalf. He's pleading for our forgiveness. And even the sins we don't even know about, the sins that we've committed that maybe we don't even know, he still pleads on our behalf. He forgives. He forgives. I recently read an article about a t- an, an attack that took place last April in a small island in the Pacific, in Samoa. There was this 27-year-old man who did not like a decision that was made in his tribe. So he responds in anger and attacks the man who made the decision. He goes after him with a machete. He ends up leaving the victim with a permanently damaged eye, a severed finger, and other serious injuries. The attacker was then arrested, eventually released on bond. Now while on on bond, the attacker does something pretty extraordinary. He goes to the family and then to the victim and he pleads for forgiveness. But what's really amazing is the victim's response. And this is in quotations on the news report. This is what he had to say. A traditional apology was made to my family. I've already forgiven the brother involved. I do not give it any more thought 
to what has happened. The matter is settled. No matter how many scars on my body are parts on my body missing, I forgive him. He says, the matter is settled. It is done. I forgive him. See, forgiveness is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing for the attacker. It's a beautiful thing for the woman at Jesus' feet. It's a beautiful thing for those who owe great debts. And it's a beautiful thing for us today. This forgiveness that we see so beautifully comes at a cost, doesn't it? Comes as a cost. And Jesus says it upon the cross. Forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Not only does Jesus plead on our behalf on the cross, I find that it's very interesting that Jesus' first word, his first word in the sentence is this, Father. Interesting that he doesn't call God, my God, my God, but he calls God, Father. And if you are a dad, there's nothing so precious as those words from your child. It tugs on your heart. Words of intimacy, of closeness. And it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder, why does, why does Jesus plead for forgiveness in this moment? Why does he call God Father? Now, I may speculate here for a moment, because this has me wondering. If Jesus, who knows God like more than anybody in this room. Jesus knows God the Father. They, the two of them are one. There is a special closeness, a special relationship. Does he know in this moment that his Father might turn to justice? Yes, he knows God is a God of love, mercy, and grace, but he is, he is a God of justice. Could it be that in that moment on the cross... God is leaning towards justice that day. Now, one thing I've always thought of myself, I've always thought I could never physically really hurt somebody, mainly due to my stature and size, but also that I'm pretty good-natured. And I figured if I couldn't, I'm not big into fist fighting, then I probably don't see myself ever technically trying to kill somebody. Now, that all changed for me about four months ago when I was in the hospital and the doctor handed me my newborn baby, Hannah. Seven pounds, three ounces of just super cuteness. Sheer perfection, sheer innocence in my hands. And as she looked into my eyes and as she grabbed my hands, can I tell you, things changed. Because if you touch my child, I'm going to think about hurting you. If you hurt my child, I may think about killing you. And I say that jokingly, but I think you get what I'm trying to say here. Is I was protective of my stuff, my house, my cars, but this is my child in my hands. 
boy, things change. This is my child, my kid. And I wonder in that moment, this is Jesus, God's one and only son, the one he is well pleased, the one he loves. This is his son hanging upon the cross. Could it be in that moment that God could be leaning towards justice? Could it be? I'm not sure. But the one thing I am sure of this is that God forgives. That in this moment, forgiveness wins. Grace wins. Mercy wins. It wins in this moment. Because I know we stand here today, and they did there. Now, maybe the plea wasn't just to the Father, But could it have been for those who were there at the cross that day? Could the plea have been for them? And for you to get what I'm trying to say here is that we have to place ourselves in the shoes of those who were there. Could you imagine being the Roman soldier and piercing the body of Christ? And his blood is all over your hands. Could you, can you imagine of being in the audience that day yelling for Barabbas, swearing and cursing upon him? Could you imagine being the judge, allowing it to go on? And then, at some point later in the story, you come to realize the truth. You've just done all those things You just killed an innocent man. You just killed God's son, his one and only son. And you realize that? You realize his blood is on your hands? How could you live with yourself? I mean, could you imagine what that would have felt like? The shame that would come, the guilt that would come from knowing you killed the son of God? that you were a part of the most horrific incident in all of history, and you willingly participated in it? What guilt, what shame would be upon your shoulders? What thoughts you would have? How How could you live any longer? Would there be easier way to go like Judas and end it all? Was God going to forever punish you and take it upon you? What would it have been like to realize what you've done? Well, hopefully, you will remember those words, those radical and audacious and big words from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And I hope that you would hear this, that those words were for you. They were for the Roman soldier. They were for the audience. They were for the judge. Those words were for you. And they are for us here today. See, the beauty of those words is that whether you are a murderer, a thief, an adulterer, 
whether you're a greedy businessman or a good person, those words are for you. There is forgiveness for you. If there is forgiveness for those people there that day, then there is forgiveness for us here today. No matter what you've done, no matter how dark your past is, how terrible you've been, those words are for you. Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Simply put, our sins put him there on the cross. We may not have been physically there, but our sins put him on the cross. And listen, those words are for you. Whether your debt is big or large or maybe small, those words are for you. Whether you're the woman at his feet or the Pharisee screaming sinner, those words are for you. Those words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Let us pray. Whether kneeling or sitting, please join me. O merciful God, grant me yet again your forgiveness. Forgive and cleanse me from my sins and blot them out of your book of your remembrance. Give me, give me faith so to lay hold of your holiness, so to rejoice in the righteousness of Christ my Savior, that, resting on his merits rather than my own, I may more and more become conformed to his likeness, my willing becoming one with him in obedience to your will. All this I ask, for in his holy name's sake. Amen. Now would you please stand and join me as we sing the hymn, A Holy Jesus.